0: Hi, and welcome to our podcast. I'm your host, Howard Drew Karsh. I've been a successful realtor in Canada's largest market, Toronto, for over 30 years. And in the latter part of my career, I co-founded Canada's largest independent brokerage, Right at Home Realty, with a roster of over 5,800 agents and growing. In 2020, I retired to start this podcast, and it's been a remarkable opportunity to meet highly successful and fascinating guests, to find out about their real estate careers and get their insight into our business today's guest is nicole plaxton nicole is the executive vice president of luxury sales on the sally forster team which is at the compass brokerage in beverly hills and i don't want to waste any time because i know how busy nicole is so nicole welcome to our podcast
1: Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, and thank you for having me.
0: Oh, listen. I, when we first connected, and I and I looked at your your bio, it was mind-boggling, and I'm just thrilled that you, you've set aside some time. So I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of start with some of those things. Um, the numbers are huge. Uh, you worked you work on this team with Sally Forrester Jones, and the numbers um, in uh, you've been involved in over 2,500 transactions, including the sales uh, Stratus. stratus- Stratospheric. I almost couldn't get that out. Of the Spelling Manor for $85 million, and the Minecraft creator Marcus Persons Truesdale Estate for 70 million. Um, mm. Those are huge numbers. Um, the, the Sally Forster group has, has done over 9 billion in sales. And I think as a realtor, you can see why this caught my attention. Those, those are huge, huge numbers. Um, and obviously you don't get there unless you've got the skills, you've got, you've got a reputation and you, you know, you, I know that your, your client list includes professional athletes and high net worth individuals from all around the globe. So, you know, it's a real treat to have you as a guest. Um, so I want to get to our questions because this will help people really get to know you a little better. Okay. So, sure. so the thing that I've always found when we do these podcasts is, you know, we're, people are interested in, in the background of, of very successful people. And um, i like to start with the with the one that, that always interests me is were there uh, entrepreneurs in your family?
1: Yes, absolutely. My mom, okay. she was uh, at a very young age. Uh, I mean, uh, she, we, she owned many restaurants, uh, she did event catering, she also had a real estate license, she was flipping houses. So I, and I was with her every step of the way. Mm-hmm. I, I would be with her at the restaurants till two, three in the morning. I remember some, some weekends and, and as a kid, and I would have to sleep in the office until the events were completed. And she is a workhorse. She's a hustler. And, and I just, I, I took after her work ethic.
0: Without a doubt. <laughs> yeah. And you know, what's great about an entrepreneurial uh, parent is in this business, and you know, because you've seen all kinds of people come and go, you think from the outside, it's not that hard, but you don't understand the emotions and you don't understand the work ethic that's that's needed to be successful. And I think if you have a parent who, who you know, you just live that lifestyle, you've got a huge advantage when you get into this business. And, and obviously, it, it worked for you. Um,
1: yeah, I think that's why I Sally and I clicked so well, because she also has that very similar drive and ambition and enthusiasm as my mother. And so it was a very natural, natural, uh, connection between Sally and I.
0: And probably to that point, she, she, because she is successful, uh, probably saw in you somebody that she, she wanted to mentor or she saw what would help her grow and help you grow. Right. I mean, what a, it's just a phenomenal connection. And, uh, you know, her reputation in the business is mind-boggling and yours the same way. So um, that's why I said we're so delighted to have you here because I can't even imagine how busy you are right now. Um, the other part that I find interesting when, when we, in, we interview guests is real, nobody really gets into real estate out of high school. Not that many. So um, what were you doing prior to, to getting your license?
1: You know, I always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. So after high school, I, I was just... You know, I started working at 15. So it just just, again, who I am. It's in my make. I wanted to I wanted to hustle. So I was managing salons. I got my esthetician license and I was gonna open up salons. Hmm. And when I was 20, my mom was a title rep at the time and called me and she said, Quit your job. I want you to be my assistant. And I was like, Okay, why not? And I became a title rep. We moved to Orange County, which was back then, like 2005-ish around there, 2004 possibly, and it was like the mecca of mortgages and subprime. And so we, I, I became a title rep for a short period of time, and that segued into my becoming a, an account executive for two different subprime lenders. And that was my really my introduction into the financial aspect and mortgages, and and I was. We did very well until about 2007.
0: So, for for our Canadian viewers, uh, the mortgage business runs a little differently. Uh, how does a title rep fit into a transaction?
1: It's more agent relations.
0: Okay. So, so on closing, um, here closings are done mostly by lawyers uh, filing the the appropriate documents. In the in your marketplace. Does the agent attend closing or the lawyers? How does that work?
1: Right. The agents run most of the transaction with an escrow company and with a title company and a mortgage lender if they're getting financing.
0: So when you were doing that job, you were meeting agents as well? I was primarily
1: all agent relationships.
0: Oh, so that gave you real insight into this right. business. Into the entire
1: back end. Really
0: the good and the bad, I'm sure. Right. But, uh, and mostly
1: loan broker relationships. Okay. So cool.
0: I mean, great way, great way to understand the financing side, which is so critical anyway. Right.
1: It was so critical and it. It gave invaluable insight to underwriting and how to underwrite and what to look for in quali- pre-qualifying a buyer. Mm. Granted, it was subprime, so all you needed was a pulse to get a loan. Mm-hmm. But it was, regardless, it was still it was invaluable knowledge.
0: And I think when you're when you you know when you moved into uh, the world of being a real estate agent, uh, understanding financing is 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 a skill. It's an art, right? It's not just numbers. It's it's understanding all the things that go along with uh, getting the financing that you need for your client from the best possible source and with the best possible terms. And and I think having worked, I mean, my opinion is having worked in that industry, nobody can, boozle, can bamboozle you into this is a great deal.
1: Right. No, it definitely helped.
0: Good. Um, so, and I think I understand this. I was uh, just kind of um going over the same point about you got into real estate because your mother thought it's time right? mm-hmm. basically. And how long did you work for her? Two years. Okay. And what was that? Like? And
1: then, and then I, again, we, then I got into a subprime mortgage for a couple of years and then, then the crash happened in 07 and yeah. I left one week before, before it all came crashing down.
0: Wow. What, what a nightmare that was. Really?
1: Yeah. And I was 24. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I went onto Craigslist, which is like a, it's like a,
0: we have the same job, yep.
1: job board. Okay. So I don't know yeah. if you have it there. Yeah. And I saw, and I was in orange County. I wanted to come back to Los Angeles, that's where I'm from. And I saw real estate agent hiring the transaction coordinator. And I'm like, Oh, well I'm, I'm a pretty quick study, you know? So mm-hmm. I can, I can learn these forms. I was licensed and I was like in mortgages, Going down the drain right now. So let's just—I'll be an agent's assistant and her transaction coordinator. And I went in one interview and hired the same day.
0: Mm, no surprise. Yeah, <laughs> you know that was,
1: that was fifteen years ago.
0: <laughs> well, but you know, in this business or in every business, when you when you meet a when you meet anybody that you're looking to work with, energy is key, energy, yeah. passion, um, and and a sense of smarts, right? Whether it's real estate yeah. or any other field, and obviously. Your background gave you all of that. So, you know, I'm not surprised. Um, I want to yeah, talk. And
1: she took a chance on me being so young and not having any prior transaction coordinator experience, meaning I didn't have the experience of paperwork and disclosures and everything else. But she, uh, and nor did I even know how to write a purchase agreement at that time, a contract. Mm. But she taught me everything. She took her time.
0: Well, you know what? It's these things as an entrepreneur, uh, and you're on a team, so you know. Um sometimes those investments pay off really well if you, if you happen to pick the right person. And you don't know. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a marriage. You don't know till you've been working with someone, right? Right. Uh, I want to find spent, out a little. She
1: spent a lot of time. I mean, uh, she she's she came from a teaching background before real estate. So ah. she used to she we have like this thing where like for the whole first year of my working for her, she used to grade every paper with with a red pen. And she like, loved getting this red pen out of her drawer. And she would take and mark up my papers and mark up every single thing I do in the contract and tell me what to write. And And her husband's an attorney. So she was she's really savvy and uh, and just legal jargon and everything. And so it, it, I learned so much just in my first year alone.
0: Invaluable. Because, yes. because you can get into brokerages. There are all kinds and there's all kinds of training. But to get one-on-one from somebody who's really smart to train you. Right. Fantastic. Really. Yeah. And and something you can share with others, you know, should you be in that position? Uh, I want to ask more about the, the, you know, the the team, the Sally Forster Jones team. Um, Mm -hmm. in, in the Beverly Hills marketplace, from what I've read, it's, it's, um, stellar to use the best word I can come up with. What's it like working on that team? And, and also let me just point out that in the introduction, in the introduction I mentioned, that you've recently become the executive vice president of, of luxury sales. So congratulations. You're on a great team and you're the executive <laughs> vice president. Doesn't get much better. So what what is it like working with her?
1: With with Sally or in, or
0: with Sally with, in with her Sally. team.
1: Sally is she's actually wonderful. She mm. this is a very dog eats dog. City, clearly. Mm-hmm. And she's probably one of the most genuine kind agents there is. Uh, hard worker. I mean, she's she'll work harder than any of us. She's sending emails to three o'clock in the morning. She mm-hmm. sleeps maybe a few hours a night. Um, but she has really big vision, big dreams. She takes so much pride in her work. She takes so much pride in the team that we've created. This is her baby. Mm-hmm. And she she truly loves what she does and it shows. And she treats her staff incredibly well, and and I mean, I wouldn't be here for fifteen years if it wasn't for that.
0: Hmm. And, and so, and much like in any market, there there are brands, and obviously, she's a brand that that make it. Nothing's easy in this business. <laughs> I was going to say easier, but but the brand probably makes it at the level that you trade in easier than coming in with a brand that people don't know. I mean, you know, yeah. I,
1: when I when I was twenty four going on Caravan Broker Caravan out here and people look at me and be like who are you who's this kid yeah and the minute you mention whose team you're on it's it's an automatic street credibility and and um it's very important to be aligned with the right brand not every brand is created equal mm-hmm. a lot of brands don't have a good reputation so that's something that her and I both really align in is is holding that that bar really high because we want to not only be an amazing buyer's agent, seller's agent, but also an agent's agent, because mm-hmm. so many agents, you know, come to me for properties and vice versa. and We get so many deals done just because of our relationships with other agents. And it's really important to us that we, we, we upheld our reputation.
0: You know, it's the same. And I mean, I can talk about my experience in the Toronto market, you know, your reputation's everything. Right. Because agents will work with you if they like you, trust you, and they won't work with you if they don't trust you, right? Absolutely. So, so it's everything.
1: It's, it's proven me in every market and whether it's seller's market or buyer's market, when we are dealing with 20 other competitive offers and I had a buyer, you, you know, it's my relationship with that listing agent that, that got those deals done, that gave me guidance because they trusted me, they trusted that we would see it through, that we'd be A delight to work with and that's why for for me and having been a transaction coordinator prior to this for 10 years I learned to become I I really become like the best friend of the agent because it it becomes a team effort regardless of who your client is in the end it really becomes it takes it takes a village and it's a team effort to see a deal through so much goes on behind the scenes that our buyers and sellers don't know about
0: right and and it, it, but but the reputation, and I know from there, there are always agents in every marketplace that do very well, but nobody wants to deal with them, right? Or they right. don't trust them. And, and, and we have
1: a ton, we have tons of those. <laughs> <laughs> we have a ton. Well, i are just like dreading their call, but I'm like, oh, well, you know. But I still, I still try to do it. I still try to see the good in everybody. Well, I think you, Sally and I are very aligned in that way that we always try to see the good, and at least somehow try to be the peacemaker and, and where, where can we, where can we help move this along?
0: Well, to kind of elaborate on that, on that thought, you are in Beverly Hills. You're, you're not talking about a condo in Topeka, Kansas, or, you know, in, in, you know, in Toronto. I mean, I, I want to really get to, cause I, I remember when the, the sale of, of the estate of, um, of the $75 million estate, uh, happened, there was a TV show all about, all about the, uh. Uh, the Spelling Manor. And it was, fat. I don't know if you recall back then that they did the special show.
1: Of course, yeah. i walked that house the property many times. Okay. And many blisters. It was it was such a huge property to walk. It's like you needed special shoes. You couldn't wear heels. And I did. And, and I had many blisters because of it.
0: And I think it was his wife that, that was the host of the show. I'm pretty sure she was. And I, I remember a couple of, I mean, it's phenomenal. 20, 75 million. Even in, in a uh, let's say, a major market like Toronto or excuse me, eighty-five million. Mm-hmm. There are there are multi-million-dollar properties. I don't know how many would come close to that. But what I recall most of the show, outside of it, it's like jaw-dropping because I was in real estate watching this, uh, was the two two gift wrapping rooms. <laughs> yeah, they were real, <laughs> really. Um, so, yeah. so so an introduction at that level. Very very few agents get to do that, right? I mean, mm-hmm. what what a what a phenomenal experience it had to be to be a part. And, and and to be a part of presentation of an offer acceptance of an offer um I can't imagine it goes that smoothly at, at 85 million but maybe it does is it, is it, it different?
1: was one of the first at that time was the highest price sale ever at that time so uh-huh. it, that really set the precedents for for future sales in the Los Angeles area it, it was a it was a phenomenal property I mean I mean the the grounds were it felt like you were in. Italy or somewhere. I mean, the grounds were outstanding.
0: So was this? Was this in Beverly Hills?
1: It's in. It was in Holmby Hills. That's oh, it's right next door. Yeah. Right. So it was like right next to the Playboy Mansion. It, it was like there. There's a whole block over there of really incredible, incredible trophy estates.
0: Yeah, I remember when you know, in my old, nowhere near seventy-five, but multi-million-dollar sales, and you know, and I had uh, very successful business people that I dealt with. But I always found that the more successful people fall into one or two categories: complete jerks or the nicest people you'll ever meet. And and I and I guess if you're trading wow. at that level, their expectation must be pretty high of, of people representing them.
1: Of of, of the clients or the or the,
0: cl- agent? the clients. Yeah, I mean they must their, their expectation.
1: Yes, they definitely have high expectations. Right. But this is what we do. This is you know, it's not it wasn't our first rodeo, so we yeah. understood the expectation of clients. We jump through hoops. We work holidays, nights, weekends. We travel. I, that's part. That's what comes with the, the territory.
0: Right. It's and nothing so, new to us. So the Marcus Persons uh, Truesdale Estate at seventy million. How how much after that did that come about, and how did it come about?
1: That was one of my favorite sales. Actually, it was really fun. It was, it was one of those surprise ones, the last two weeks of the year it was like our it was like our Christmas gift. Wow. and and um we had an introduction to a business manager, put it together. The other side was great. it's it's an, a two agents that we do a lot of business with. and we it was a super quick closing. I was able to get all the inspectors in. Mm. It was it was a you know, it was a fabulous property. I mean, I mean, they had this candy wall that was, you know, now it's become a little bit of a trend, but Mm -hmm. the developer at the time, Bruce Mikowski did this candy wall that was bigger than any concession stand that you've ever seen in a movie theater or, or arcade or anywhere. It was really, it was really wild. It was fun. It was a really fun property. And and he was a great buyer. I mean, he was so lovely to work with.
0: Isn't that the nicest thing? Yeah. I mean, everybody was. When, when you're working with people where it doesn't feel like work, it, this has got to be the greatest business in the world, right? Yeah. I mean, you
1: have to make, you have to make it fun and you have yeah. to find common ground and connection. That's really what, why we're all here is, is because we love connecting and that's something that, that it's an, and residential real estate is emotional. So it's totally. really about connection.
0: And, and it must generate a lot of referral business when people, I mean, at any level of real estate, when they're happy with the experience they've had with the agent um, mm-hmm. They want to tell people, right And so right. so a lot of the business over the years that that you you know Sally's had with her team and now I'm sure with you comes because you did such a great job.
1: Yeah we have a, uh, I forget the percentage, but a large amount is uh, a large amount is repeat referral business.
0: And the longer you, this is so cool about this business, the first few years very hard for most people. But the longer you're in it, the easier it gets because the more referrals you get. So you're spending right. less time prospecting, more time doing sales, right?
1: We, we still prospect a lot. We also have a lot of new business, ah. but we also have a large amount of repeat referrals.
0: Do you do much in new construction? A lot. Okay. And is there a lot going on in, in uh, Beverly Hills or LA right now?
1: Yeah. There's a significant amount. So my, it's so funny because just this week alone is it. The market's in just a, you know a lot of flux right now, and uh-huh. and we're, we just we've seen a little. It's just been very interesting the past uh, month, but this week there's been a huge uptick in international buyers. I think just because people are traveling here mm-hmm. and high end buyers. So my twenty and up is on fire. I've literally uh-huh. shown every single day this week, wow. and I've been showing a lot of my mid construction properties. So I've been covered in dirt and, and everything which is fine but yeah. these are magnificent estates that are being built that we we usually pre-sell for a lot of our clients
0: wow a so- lot of,
1: especially a lot of the 20 million up they're very private and they they don't like to buy properties that are on the market so we end up doing a lot of pre-sales
0: that's fascinating let me stop in the middle of this podcast, because if I was a, v- a viewer and I was looking for an agent in Beverly Hills, I'd be calling you. So if people want to get a hold of you, we'll go on. This isn't the end of uh, the podcast, but how? what's the best way for someone to get a hold of you?
1: Uh, you can always reach out to me directly or Instagram is a great resource, or you can email me, Nicole, N-I-C-O-L-E at sfjgroup.com.
0: Okay, great, because I didn't want to miss that opportunity. Thank I mean, you. this is a global business, the podcast, so you never know. Um, everybody has dealt with the pod with the podcast. Everyone's dealt with the pandemic differently. I mean, I know what it was like in Canada and certainly in this market. How did it affect you in your market?
1: <sighs> wow. Um the first week the sky was falling. I mean, we didn't know if we had jobs anymore. It was it was very chaotic. I, I'm sure every everywhere was, but LA, especially, I feel like really got hit hard, and but within a few weeks, you know, and, and most deals canceled. I mean, I mean, either they they either st- stayed in escrow and they renegotiated for a significant amount less because right. they thought the sky was falling, the world was going to end, everything else. Um, but many escrows canceled the first week, but within within a few weeks, things started resurfacing and. Mm i think that was an opportunity where really wealthy people saw opportunity for deals mm-hmm. and and we started making deals like left and right and, wow. and and sellers wanted to sell and buyers wanted to buy and then within 6 7 months homeowners wanted to take advantage of the interest rates and everyone's working from home and and so and and they were sick of looking at their two bedroom apartment and then they wanted to upgrade and go into a house. I mean, so there was so much movement and it ended up becoming our most successful year ever at that point. And, you know, which was just, it was, it was wild.
0: What happened here? And this is, uh, uh, we've had some guests or developers. What happened here is, you know, same panic. What are we going to do? We can't show them. And then everybody went into uh, virtual showings um which which we had to do
1: a few but not many we were able to we we had to fill out a form like a PED form which is like a basically saying you don't have covid everybody masks on everybody was you had to make appointments and and you we figured it out i mean it was it was done the right way we didn't we didn't have public opens
0: yeah and that was the same sort of rules that were here and and um Uh, But I know in pre-construction they also had a phenomenal year because, like all the things you said, people were looking to to, you know to get Mm -hmm. out of small spaces. They didn't have to leave their house to buy a property, Um, so they had a great year in pre-construction as well. Yeah, Uh, it was.
1: It ended up being a really, really successful year,
0: which you would have never expected when the when the word pandemic uh, came out. In terms of technology, and you know, this business of real estate is going through a lot of change with technology. are there any particular, and this is for the realtors that watch, are there any particular tools that you use uh, in technology that you really like and and why do you use the ones you use?
1: Yeah, we have on, as part of Compass, we're given access to the Compass tools, a CRM, something called Compass Collections, which is like a, it's kind of like a Pinterest for, for all of the properties. So you could also set it up on auto notify. So it takes the place of the MLS basically, Mm -hmm. and it keeps everything in a file. So it's so easy. If I file, so each property that comes on, I can add to collection. It automatically sends to the client. They can write notes. We can have a little chat back and forth. I can request showings from the app and it's all, you know, able to be done on my phone, which is great because most of my business is done on my phone. And it's probably one of the most invaluable tools that any brokerage... We've been at, we've been at four, three or four brokerages, Coldwell Banker, John Arrow, Pacific Union, Acquired, and then Compass. So this is our fourth brokerage, and this is by far... I don't think any other brokerage has anything close to this technology.
0: What's interesting, and it's the same in this marketplace, is the younger agents expect technology, right? They they mm-hmm. Like, I mean they're not interested in using the phone as a phone. They are interested in, in electronic communication. Um, and the agents who don't relate to that are the ones that get left behind. I mean, it sounds like, you know, you, you've got a, a built-in benefit because they've already developed it for you. And all you have to do is use it.
1: I think, honestly, I think any <laughs> anything you do that you're consistent with is going to pay off in some some regard so uh, one of my agents is younger he prefers still cold calling and he door knocks every single day and he and he has his phone book and he ha- writes everything down doesn't take advantage of any of the technology you know what he sells 50 60 million a year and he's so content and he's so happy and he doesn't want to change a thing i have others that really take advantage of it i mean it's it's entirely up to you yeah i think that's exactly more than others
0: i think that's how you become successful is you find the way to look for a business that feels comfortable right, right? if somebody right. If somebody tells you you know, do cold calling. You hate it. You won't be successful if if you want a door knock, uh, because that's just like this person you mentioned, and they like doing it. You'll 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 do well because people will see you there doing something they like.
1: Right. Right. I'm still on the phone all the time. I mean, I, I mean, I I'm on the phone, text and email. I usually do it all simultaneously at the same time because we have to multitask. But I, we're on the phone every single day. Sally still prospects. She still blocks out. She time blocks probably an hour a day, just prospecting her business managers, her referral sources, her CPAs, et cetera.
0: Wow. What a a great mentor. I mean, you know, it's like just great. Um. I want to ask you a couple of things that I guess are the, the, kind of the personal part of, of your of your life. What's the greatest advice that anyone ever gave you?
1: I think one thing that really stuck with me, it was probably, I don't know, five years into transaction management for Sally. And we were really busy by this point. Mind you, I started, we were maybe doing 200 a year uh, Last year we did 760. I mean, we've grown every single year. So, uh, and I mean, sales volume 760 million. And so we were five years. I was five years in. I was managing all the transactions. I was, yeah. Uh, and for me, I'm the type, type, type of person that just give me something to do. I I do the whole thing myself, beginning to end. I don't rely on anyone. I like to be in control of it. It's just mm-hmm. my personality. And it was that I was negotiating a request for repair and it was it, it, it was something that really got under my skin and the other agent got under my skin and I was I had had it up to here and our our business coach was in at that time Steve Schull and I, mean, I don't know it's probably 28, 29 years old. And I I go in there I, I interrupt the meeting and I say I can't deal with this anymore. This lady's driving me nuts. She's a horrible agent like the deal's gonna blow up. What are we gonna do? And I didn't have these meltdowns very often because I was really, Sally's very cool, calm, and like, she's very composed. And she really taught me how to be composed, but it was just one of those days. And Steve looked at me and he goes, Nicole, do not engage. It's just a transaction. Nobody's dying.
0: (laughs) Good advice. And
1: it clicked, something landed. And I was like, do not engage. Like, oh my gosh, I mean, I could do this and not emotionally engage. Like, I can do this and not be completely drained by the end of the day and like wanting to like, you know, run over everyone. Like, I'm like, this is amazing. And it just, it opened up a whole new world for me because before that it, you know, it's very agents are very defensive and, and people are very protective over their commissions and over everything and getting deals done and and you you get what you give out. So, so I had a lot of, I had a lot of adversarial you know, relationships and 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 experiences, because it it you take on so much responsibility. And for some reason, that day, the stars were aligned. I just it, it landed, and i I changed everything since then. I look at things very differently now and and it really helped define me as a person in negotiating and representing I'm able to be more collected and i'm I'm, I'm able to represent my clients better because of it because I don't engage a lot. Most agents are very emotional. So if I can be the composed one and say, Hey, we're in this together. Let's get through this together. Let's brainstorm. Let's go through the scenario. How do you think your client's going to respond to this? Talking about those things first. I mean, it just, it it takes the weight off the other agent's shoulders and, and then you're really able to have a collaborative experience.
0: Great advice because it it was invaluable. Because to the point of everybody's defensive about their own client, and if you've got two people defensive, nothing's going to happen. You got to get one person has to drag the other person over the line and and recognize you're in it together, right? Because if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen for either one. Right. Um, I probably know the answer, but what is it you like about being a real estate agent, setting aside that, you know, the, the financial part's pretty decent?
1: I mean, yeah, your, your, your guess is probably right. For me, it's really twofold because I, I sell, but I also run the sales for the team. So I'm very much involved in our agent's growth and development, and I have been for many years. So on one hand, I, it's so rewarding for me to see my agents thriving and succeeding and, and taking risks and doing new things and, and putting deals together. I just love it. And I love the whole collaborative process of like, matching people with properties and, and, you know, and just, and and it's just really exciting for me. I just, I get chills even talking about it. I love collaborating with my agents and just being creative and the, on the selling side of it, it's, it's really just the connections the new people you meet every day. I meet someone new. I see how they live. I imagine myself in their shoes. It's just, it's, it's a, it's, you just make fun Mm -hmm. and make it really fun. And and it's, it's connection. Again, it's just everything's relationship. We're all, we're all created for relationship. We're all here to help be a resource to one another. So it's something that I just really love doing that. That's great. My way of doing that's through real estate.
0: It's a, it's a great way to either consciously or unconsciously teach new people how to be successful on your team, right? Yeah. Because they're going to learn from you. We're
1: we're very conscious. I like that you brought that up. We're a very conscious group. Mm -hmm. I I try to instill any self-awareness, some consciousness, meditating, mindfulness, all of this together the california go i have to remember that so this is all this is all our lingo <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> manifesting all of that right. this, is, this is what we do but it's it's really important to have some type of faith or spiritual essence in what you're doing to help to help balance you because this is an all-consuming business
0: all when someone's going
1: to do real estate part-time i'm like are you sure like that doesn't exist it, this is this is it's all-consuming
0: if you want to be successful, it's the way you and, and Sally work. It's it's seven twenty four three sixty five. But you've got to like it, or you won't last. Right, right. it's that simple.
1: That's the only re- that's the only way. Otherwise, we're, we're just what are we here for? Right.
0: So on the other end um, uh, of of your career, um, what what has been your biggest challenge, and what did you learn from it?
1: I. Uh, you know what. That's a good question. Our growth, we grew really fast. Mm -hmm. We grew so fast that everybody burnt out on staff. Mm. And, and uh, there was, I can't remember what year it was, maybe 2015, 2016. I don't, I I forget. It was one year that we like, we jumped up uh, dramatically, but it was, it was, it was learning that because we didn't have, most teams aren't set up as a company. They're set up as just you have your lead eight alpha agent, you have junior agents, you have assistants, et cetera. But we grew so much and so many people wanted to be on our team. we were up to like 32 people at one point. and mm-hmm. and we had I don't know eight or nine staff members and it just became so much and we didn't have a, a real system in place that could have been, that is def, that is as smooth as it is today. So, so there, and in, in, these are good problems to have. I mean, mm-hmm. and that's like, you know, we were so busy, so successful that it was, it was too challenging, but I think that's where a lot of teams run into that issue is that they grow and they don't realize how much, how much, how many growing pains there are in, in becoming a top team. And, we're very selective with who we bring on. For us, it has to be very. There has to be very. It has to be a very want a connection with the person. They have to align with our morals with, with everything that we stand for. They have to align with our brand, and there has to be cohesiveness. We have to want to be able to go out and, and get a drink or hang out with somebody or whatever. Like we, we want to. It becomes a family. Mm-hmm. It really becomes a family. So, so it was there was just so many dynamics and personalities and everything. And, and that was a challenge for me because I didn't come from, again, I, I never had gone through, you know, call it, I didn't have a college degree to learn how to, you know, become like a chief operating officer to run, how run a business. And, 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 you know, we were all at the same time, so busy with clients who had, who had needs and we had to tend to. So it was just, it was, all-consuming. As you can imagine, you started a brokerage, you understand how it went. We don't even have a brokerage. We just have a team within a broker, but we operate like our own brokerage because we now have hired the right people. We have an amazing president who completely whipped us into shape. And we now function like a real company where where most teams don't. They usually just function with, again, the alpha agent, juniors, assistants, and, and and now it's, it's a very different experience. Now we're just like a, like a well-oiled machine.
0: You know, when you were talking about the early days, um, even if you had your MBA and you had experience, <laughs> nobody can tell you what's going to happen when you have to manage growth. That's, I mean, we had the same thing in our company. We started with no agents. So we just had this, this uh, idea that was a disruptive idea for the business. Yeah. Uh, And then as we grew and and we had like a couple of years, even no one was joining, then all of a sudden they're coming out of the woodwork to join us. Once we had credibility and, and managing that, just like you said, managing that is wild, right? Yeah. It's wild. But if you do a good job, you grow to the next level. So.
1: And we did and we did. And we, we got through COVID together. We got through a lot and it actually brought us all so much closer because we, that increased our, Instead of just having a Monday morning meeting like we did for years, now we did like, uh, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Zoom meetings. We had this, we had so many, we we really shared experiences because my experience became someone else's experience, became, you know, the next person's experience. So we really came together. And that combined with now someone who can run systems and actually put together a, a, a platform of you know, in a whole back, back end is really what changed our organizational um, practices and procedures. And it just became so much more streamlined.
0: Great. Listen, I always tell people, I'll try to hold it 30 minutes. I'm sure you've already got people lined up calls and (laughs) emails, but I just want to ask this if you'd like, Uh, Are there any projects that you're, you're working on that you'd like to talk about to, uh, to our viewers, anything coming up or, or do you want to keep going? I mean, I'm like the off
1: market queen hub. So like, I'm like the the hub for the off market. So it's like, just come to me with anything you need. Anybody in LA and surrounding areas, if you have clients moving here and you, you need someone to help support you, we'll always take care of you as well. And, and I, I, there's so many, we have so many off markets that I can't even new constructions. I, I wouldn't be able to even get them all out right now. You just have to call me and reach oh, out to me.
0: Okay. Great way to end it. And I hope they do. <laughs> so Nicole, thank you so much. We've been trying to put this together for many months and I really appreciate that you, you stayed with it until you had time. Um going to wish you all the best. And it sounds like you're on a great roll and, you know, love to have you back in the future if you're interested. Yes,
1: so. this, is, this is great. Thank you so much.
0: Okay. Thank you, Nicole. All the best. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We'd like to thank Nicole Plaxson and you for joining us today. And if you liked our podcast, please like, comment, and subscribe on your favorite podcast network or on our YouTube channel. And to get in touch with us, you can do it one of two ways. On our website, rewithhd.com, or by email, info at rewithhd.com. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time.